Well, we've almost reached the end of 2017. There's just one more chance to see the narrators this Wednesday, the 20th of December at the Bumpport Theater in Denver. Thanks to all of you out there listening to this podcast, to the folks who've attended our live shows, and to the performers who've shared their stories this next year. Next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. Today's story comes from writer and professor Adam Veal. The story was told on the 14th of November at Tiger Tiger Tavern in San Diego. The theme for the evening, Under Your Skin. Uh, cool. Thanks for having me. Um, so my story starts in a bar. That seems appropriate. We're in a bar. Um, and it's in a bar in Davis. And I look over and I see this girl who's covered in tattoos. And I like instantly fall in love with her. And the reason for that is because I, at that point, I've been living in Davis for about eight or nine years. And Davis is like the kind of town where like t-shirt and jeans all the way. And there's nothing else. So it gets really, really boring. And it's a great town, and it was beautiful. But after eight or nine years of t-shirt and jeans, like to look over in a bar and see a girl covered in tattoos, it was awesome. And she, it wasn't just the tattoos. It was like she had this look on her face that was like, like if you can imagine like a psychopath. <laughs> if you can imagine a psychopath who's just killed their first victim and realized they feel no remorse whatsoever, and how freeing that is, but also kind of like terrifying, right? Like oh my God, I can kill people now. And that's just okay. And it was like the tattoos and the look on her face that I was like, I'm going to go talk to this girl. My type all the way. And so I, like, I'm way too intimidated to just like, walk up and like, say hi. So I ask around and ask around and ask around. And I've been living in the town for eight or nine years, and it's a small town. So eventually, I find somebody who knows her. And I ask him to introduce me. Introduce me. So I... I say hi, we talk, I go, hey, what's your name? She says her name is Melissa. I'm like, cool. She says, yeah, but it's spelled uh, M-U-L-Y-S-A. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I've never heard that spelling of Melissa before. And she goes, yeah, it's asylum spelled backwards. I'm going to marry this girl. She is awesome. And... um, so we end up dating. Like, somehow we kind of end up dating. I, I managed to pull that one off. It was awesome. Uh, we lasted like 11 months. Uh, and one portion of, our, of when we were dating, we went to Ireland for about two weeks. And the day we were going to leave to go to Ireland, uh, I walked out of my kitchen and I stepped on some glass. Bent down, plucked it out of my foot, no big deal. Uh, got on a plane that day, went to Ireland, hiked around. Uh, came back, you know, hung out for like a month after we got back, something like that. And I'm walking around, I'm walking around barefoot a lot more because I don't have shoes on. I'm just in my house, I'm hanging out. And I'm like, man, there's, there's something in my heel. A couple more weeks go by. Man, that glass is still in my foot. So one day, I mean, it, it completely healed over, right? So one day I sit down on my couch with uh, a bottle of whiskey, a knife, some tweezers, and a safety pin. And after about four hours of digging, I finally, tink, 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 the safety pin hits the glass. And I'd already figured out, like, man, the whiskey isn't helping because I need to have a share much, like, a, like, 
like laser focus here, right? Like this is it's not good. Uh, the knife doesn't really help, just what FYI, because it's too big. The tweezers, I was like, the tweezers aren't going to help because I don't want to like crush the glass on my foot anymore. So it's just the safety pin, just like digging and digging. Yeah, there's some blood, sure, whatever. Safety pin, digging and digging and digging and digging and digging. And the and the the glass was like triangular, so like as I like kind of pulled it out, it would like cut my foot even more. That's just in my heel. And then after five hours or so, it came out. No big deal. Uh, like the thing I remember about it is that it was at a, after a couple hours, like like my humanity like just kind of flicked off like a switch. That was really interesting. And then it was like not even my foot anymore. It was just a foot that needed to get some glass out of it. You know, it's no big deal. Like it would hurt, but it was just like that's just something to deal with. So. You may notice that I'm very blasé about just like flicking off the humanity. <laughs> uh, this is sort of because uh, when I was in high school, um, like my, I had like acne, like it wasn't bad, it wasn't like horrific, but it was bad enough that my parents were like, oh, we're gonna put you on acne medication. And like, I don't really, you don't talk back to my parents, just you don't do it. So I was like, all right, fine. I don't think the acne's that bad, but whatever. Uh, and so part of the acne medication was you had to go get blood drawn once a month. So once a month, I just go have some blood drawn. And it's like, it kind of inured me to like, oh yeah, just take the thing out, whatever, that's fine. However, the other thing that kind of happened around this time was, it was this weird thing of 15 years old, in the carpool, uh, getting driven home, and like, man, like, I feel kind of hot, and I'm not quite sure why. It's not like a, it's kind of like a fever, but I'm not quite sure. And it just kind of gets worse and worse until like, Something, I feel like I'm boiling. And I, like, I get out of the car and I go in my house and my parents aren't there because they work. So I got a couple hours to be like, man, what is going on? And it just gets worse and worse and worse. And I, like, I look at my arm and like, there's actually something in there. And I don't know what it is. Like There's something like wriggling underneath my arm. Jesus Christ. And it's like I can feel it pushing up against my skin and I can, I can see it. Like Whatever it is, it kind of looks like a snake. So I go get a knife. And I'm not trying to hurt myself here, right? Like, I, I just want to get the snakes out of my body. Like, this is very rational. Absolutely, it makes perfect sense. So I'm like, being very careful, I'm just like trying to cut and get the snake out of my body. And it's like moving around, so I'm just like trying to follow it. You know, and it, like, it feels like it goes up into my brain and I'm like hitting my head against, the, against a wall. And it's just like all this fire, like burning snakes. And after a couple hours, it goes away. Don't know what it was. Probably not really snakes, though, right? <laughs> like, generally, like, like in, the, in the schema of worries about puberty <laughs> and, like, the am I normal kind of feeling, like, you want to go up to a friend and be like, so, we're like, what's sex like, right? And somebody who's more experienced than you will tell you. But it's like, this is the kind of situation where you're like, am I normal? And your friends are like, no, because snakes. <laughs> that you're not getting away with that, right? Like, it's not going to happen. So for like the next two years, twice a month, I'd end up trying to cut snakes out of my body. And then it just kind of stops, which is fine. But it was just sort of like, that was weird. Like, no real reason. I don't know what happened. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't sure as hell didn't tell my parents because Jesus Christ, I can't even imagine that conversation. 
And so I go on and I go on and I go on and I'm like, kind of spend the rest of my life like waiting for the other foot to drop. Like, okay, we got the snakes, but, but is something else? Like, is our, like, is my foot going to turn into a walrus? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> and so I go on, I, you know, go to Davis, uh, graduate, hanging out. I'm working as a cook, uh, which is at a really cool restaurant, which is incidentally why I got to date Melissa in the first place, because it was a really cool place to work. Um, and I meet this guy named Corbin, like when I'm about 25 or something like that. And he goes, and like, da 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 we're hanging out. And it turns out he's kind of a crazy person too. Um, and like, as like kind of wacky, crazy people, weird people, like eventually you get to have a conversation where you're like, oh, you're crazy too, cool, how? <laughs> and it becomes just like this bonding exercise of like, oh, cool, you got like, like sun things and like weird visions from God, awesome. I've got like snakes and I don't know what's going on, but like whatever, it's, it's, it's totally fine. Like most, 90% of the time it's totally fine. And he goes, yeah, man, like, I don't know where, like, where, like, what my deal is, but, like, what I do know is I think it was caused by this, like, I got put on this acne medication, and, like, it messed me up, man. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, Accutane, this acne medication, and a small amount of people, it just fucking drives you insane. And I'm like, really? <laughs> because I was on Accutane, too. <laughs> um... And so we, I was like, that was weird. And like, kind of maybe it was like, wait, maybe I didn't just go crazy. Maybe it was like this weird thing that I got put on for friggin' acne. I don't know. And so I just kind of, I don't look into it because I'm kind of, I don't want to deal with it. I just kind of go on and live my life. Um, I go to grad school, which is just like the least cool thing I could have done. <laughs> I graduated, I moved to New York, which was slightly cooler. But I didn't have any friends there, so I didn't have any like uh, support network. So after a couple of, couple of years of living in New York, I could just kind of, I start having just panic attacks again and again and again, just constant panic attacks to the point where I can't work. Like I try to go to work and like they would do stuff like I worked at this coffee shop. They'd be like, Hey man, the, the manager and the, and the dishwasher are like about to get into a fist fight downstairs. Can you go resolve it? And I'd be like, no, <laughs> I'm like in the middle of, I can't work because I can barely work. I have to sit down for an hour out of my shift because I'm having so many panic attacks. Ask me to resolve a fight. Sure. So I go down there, shut the fuck up, stop fighting. Then that was stuff to fight. But eventually, like, I can't actually work anymore. So I have to move back home. I have to move back in, my, in, in with my parents for a couple of years and, like, sort my things out. So ultimately, like, that kind of felt like the other shoe finally dropped. And, like, I was like, okay, like, I got an answer somehow. And now it's just like, we're good. Like, I don't need to wait, spend the rest of my life waiting for the other shoe to drop because it, it did. But... Uh, while I was living at my folks' house, I walked into my dad's office, and they were gone. Of course, they were at work. And I saw a piece of paper on his, on his uh, desk, and it had, at the top of the piece of paper, it said, uh, Accutane, class action lawsuit. And I didn't look at the rest of the paper, because I was like, I can't deal with that. I don't know how to, I don't know what to do about that. So I just kind of turned around and walked away. Moved out of my folks' house, uh, put my life back together, and finally, after a couple of years, I was like, man, I, I, gotta, I should look that up. And, what, and I don't know what it was. Uh, and I look it up, and I do all this research on Accutane and try to figure out what it was. I, I find a lot of stuff about how Accutane like, might give you, I think it's like Lou Gehrig's disease or, or Crohn's disease or something like that. But there's nothing about driving people insane. So for a long time, I had this as an explanation, and then it was taken away from me. The end. OK, thank you very much. Thank you.
The Narrators is produced by Robert Rutherford, Mary Robertson, Aaron Rollman, and me, Ron Doyle. Our assistant producer is Sydney Crane. Our theme music is by Whalehawk. And our founder and executive producer is Andrew Orvidal. A very special thanks to our amazing sponsors, Illegal Pete's, Sexy Pizza, From the Hip Photo, and Renegade Brewing Company. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And join us at one of our live monthly shows, which take place every second Tuesday of the month at Tiger Tiger Tavern in San Diego, California, and every third Wednesday of the month at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. Both shows start at 8 p.m. and are always free to attend. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter, and for past episodes, photos from our live shows, and a list of our upcoming events and themes, please visit thenarrators.org. Thanks for listening.